June 7th. Time flies when you're having fun over here on the internet. Today, by the way, a little bit of a milestone. Already show number 50. The 50th Damon Bruce show to happen on Damon Bruce Plus. And it is wonderful to have so many of you here for all of them. If you're new, if you're just joining us, welcome to you. It's great to have you. I'm glad you found me. Let's become friends. Hit that like button. Go ahead and subscribe. You might be happy that you did. What we have here are buckets of truth. That's what we have. And in a world where that becomes harder and harder to find, I think this show becomes more and more valuable. And what do you know? One of the most awkward interviews of my career, one of the weirdest interviews of my career, looks a little bit better scoring for myself and Ray Ratto because he was part of it too. And I'm, of course, talking about the Debo Samuel interview that I did on the radio last season. Uh, When I brought up an underachieving year, Ray and I got three or four no comments from Debo Samuel. Uh, It really was one of the otter interviews of my entire career. I'm not a a a try to you know get you with that question type of an interviewer i don't think i've ever had that reputation uh 49er fanboys though were calling me out left and right saying that i don't know anything about the game and i don't know anything about debo and i sound i get accused of being a white boy ouch um worse yet i got got accused of asking gotcha questions when I was just talking about what seemed to be an underachieving year that might be explained going back to the odd offseason of Debo Samuel when there were trade rumors and he wanted to be traded and he said, get rid of me and I don't want to be here anymore and all that stuff before circling back and what Michael Irvin told us about the weird communication that Debo and the team were going through at the time. Well, yesterday... Months after this weird and awkward interview, Debo Samuel finally comes clean and admits that he was heavily distracted by the offseason issues that I got, you know, I brought up and got no commented through. He did indeed come into camp out of shape and he was classifying last season himself as awful. Thank you. Thank thank you. Thank you very much. So I'm not crazy. I wasn't taking crazy pills. I wasn't seeing something to create my own narrative. I thought I saw an underachieving year from a spectacular player, and when I asked him about it, I was the asshole. Well, it turns out after a little thinking, he thinks that could have gone a lot better. What do you know? What do you know? He said yesterday, and I I paraphrase, kind of quoting here, just going through the tape with Kyle looked sluggish. And I was like, look how bad you look on tape. Like I said, what happened last offseason kind of played a big role in that. I'm never putting nothing on tape like that again. Okay. Good. I mean, do I feel a little vindicated? A A touch. Does Ray Ratto feel a little vindicated? He probably doesn't care. Probably doesn't even follow this story. Doesn't care. But um, I'll tell you this. Niners fans, if you really do have an angry with himself Debo Samuel, a motivated Debo sounds like a real dangerous football player to me. Woo! I also, I like the self-awareness that he eventually has returned to here. He didn't have much self-awareness in that interview or didn't want to share any of it at that time. 
but he really came clean. And I like a self-aware athlete. A couple of home and homes ago with Larry Kruger, I said, you know, I think Debo Samuel's a really good player, but he might be a little bit of a shit leader. And even though he's a good on-field leader in terms of setting the tone for that locker room, I don't know if he's the guy you want doing it. Christian McCaffrey seems to be the guy you want doing that. Um, Debo is showing more self-awareness now. And that's going to help close the gap in what I thought was maybe a leadership deficit. I mean, I was the first one at the talking point all last year that this team's best wide receiver is Brandon Ayuk. And uh, it feels like Debo now realizes that too. So chalk one up for Uncle Damon. He got another one right. Again, they're going to tell you you're wrong in the moment, but the truth always wins out. The truth always wins out. And I feel I feel good about today. How are you doing? How are you, you feeling good? I hope you're feeling good today. I really do. A tiny little sip of coffee, and let's keep going with a bit more news from Niners' mandatory workouts. Um, the Athletic reporting that Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Trent Williams, who had been absent from the voluntary OTAs, were there. None of them were practicing. They were off doing individual drills on the side. Sam Darnold took the first-team snaps. Trey, he ran the second team with Brandon Allen handling third-team duties. Today, apparently, we're getting a Swap where Trey Lance will be handling first team duties. Uh, Sam Darnold will be with the second team. And again, for those declaring that a quarterback competition has already been decided, this is clear indication that it hasn't been, right? I mean, they are working all three guys now to the very best of their ability until Brock Purdy comes on back. And then he's the first team quarterback anyway. As I've said, Everyone needs to stop with their breathless analysis of OTAs and let this thing play itself out. We are nowhere near the start of this coming football season. There's a lot that can happen between now and then. So everyone take a breath. And when you're done with that breath, don't utter something like a no comment when I'm asking legit questions. Anyway, uh, I want to start continue i guess i should say because we started we're underway here kids uh saying thanks again to my wonderful sponsors first of all that guy right there ike is doing a hell of a job serving up delicious sandwiches all over the west coast he's expanding it's all happening and it's great that it's happening here on the plus as well thanks so much to ike's for all of his support go get yourself some lunch at ike's as soon as you can you'll be happy that you did when next time you're uh, walking around Bevmo and you're thinking about picking up a little whiskey go ahead and try the blackened whiskey it is fantastic no gimmick forget that Metallica is even involved to be totally honest with you if you're looking for a bottle of whiskey at an incredible price point that is versatile that is good by itself with a rock neat however you want it in a cocktail that is that's my whiskey baby that is my whiskey and when I need a burger I'm going to Uncle Boy's. And what I'm happy to report to you is that when you might need a burger, you might be going to Uncle Boy's too. Or if you work with our friend Michelle Haberman, uh, maybe she's bringing it to you today because Michelle, who is one of our more dedicated, loyal Plusers of all time, said, good morning, Plus fam. She's not just ordering Uncle Boy's for herself for lunch today, but she's picking it up for the entire office. That is what I'm talking about. 
You want to support me and what I'm doing, you go out and you support my sponsors. Thank you so much, Michelle. You and your entire office are going to have a spectacular lunch today. Michelle, you're awesome. Thank you very, very, very much. Um, it, you, here's the thing. You'll be happy. This is not one of those, oh, and I did it for you, Damon. No, you, you'll be happy that you did this for yourself. Uh, it's good stuff. Uncle Boys, check them out. Do it soon. Inner rich. Get a burger to go. You'll be happy that you did. Um, look. When it comes to the truth, one of the truths that some people said, you know, you just you spent way too much time around this truth, Damon, and and as a fan, like you got to get over it. The truth is, with every single NFL architectural stadium rendering that I see, Levi's Stadium looks worse and worse and worse. And I know that they just got another Super Bowl. They're going to host another Super Bowl, but did you see what the Jaguars are unveiling? The Jaguars unveiled renovation plans for their stadium. And again, Levi's just gets worse and worse by the NFL stadium that opens. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it first of all, like the facade, it's still, you know, it's, it's built in the wrong spot. We all know that. And then when you look at it, it's one big scoop of, are they done yet? The thing doesn't even look like it's done yet. It looks like an erector set. Um, you're looking at all these new stadia being built and they are just like flying saucers and futuristic Roombas landing. It looks like we're getting visited by aliens. Some of these new stadiums are so spectacular. What the Jaguars proposed today, basically it, it, it looks like a chrome futuristic aircraft carrier. This thing looks incredible. Absolutely incredible. And guess what it's going to provide? Shade. Shade. They understood there was this thing called the sun. Maybe we should do something about it. 49ers missed that, messed that up. Look, obviously, Levi Stadium is not going anywhere anytime soon. We are stuck with that fucking thing for a really, really, really long time. For, the, for my lifetime, for my kids' lifetime, that thing's not going anywhere. But it really does look worse by the day, not better. You know, Levi Stadium's greatest feature is, hey, you know, they grow heads of cabbage up on top of the press box. Who cares? Someone, legit, fair question, said, Damon, okay, so, you know, trying to defend Levi Stadium, he asked the question, what stadiums look better by the architectural rendering? That's a fair question, and my answer was basically, take a look at Seattle Stadium. Seattle built a stadium that was so perfect for Seattle, so perfect for the Seahawks. The way that the noise is trapped in there makes it a true home field advantage. It protects fans from elements. And they got that cool signature football-looking end zone. The thing is just like you, you look at it for a heartbeat and you know exactly where you are. That place was special the day it was built. Now, stadium architecture has exploded futuristically since Seattle opened that stadium. But all of these brand new futuristic stadiums haven't taken anything away from how much Seattle nailed that. So there's no amount of look at all these new futuristic stadiums that is going to ruin what Seattle built, and that's old now, you know, comparatively speaking. 
it's still awesome. Again, when the 49ers built Levi's Stadium, they were trying to get themselves out of having the fourth best stadium in their own division. They still have the fourth best stadium in their own division, and Levi's Stadium is honestly right on its way to being the worst stadium in the NFL from just a pleasing fan experience architectural type of day. Ah. The Buffalo Bills are breaking ground. The Tennessee Titans are going to get a new stadium. Soon, Levi's will be the worst stadium in football again, just like it was when it was Candlestick. But at least Candlestick was, you know, in San Francisco, and it had it dripped in history. Again, people, Damon, why don't you get off this high horse? You can't, you know, you just enough, 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 enough. The truth always wins. I was right when I started. I'm right again today. Today's show should have been called Damon's Right Again. <laughs> so, let me turn that on a team that I grew up rooting for, by the way. The Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears. They want a new stadium. Well, they want a new city around a new stadium in Arlington. And the inherent cheapness of the Chicago Bears has come back to bite them in their ass once again. Because the Chicago Bears' seemingly inevitable move from Soldier Field to Arlington Heights has taken a massive turn, according to a story on Bro Bible, that uh, they, they've now started like talking to Naperville, Illinois, about maybe moving there. The uh, Scott Hagel, the team's senior vice president of marketing and communications, claimed that the long-running efforts to build a $2.2 billion dome stadium in Arlington Heights, um, it's now at risk because of apparently a tax assessment, and there is a dispute over the taxes. And, of course, the Bears just always forever cheap. So the Arlington Heights plan originally carried a, a, a price tag of $5 billion, which will apparently go up. And so now the Bears are like, oh, we're going to be cheap about this, so let's look for another location. Oh, man. Let me tell you, the minute they move out of Chicago, that stadium, that, that, that franchise will not be intrinsically worth what it once was. Now, it might be financially actually worth more in like real dollars and cents, but what is great about Bears games at home, even in their terribly retrofitted, awful stadium that they did to Soldier Field, they are still right there in Chicago. That's what's special about it. If they take that team out of Chicago, and I think they're starting to realize this, it will be an overall minus. I don't care how much money it adds, especially if you're going to be cheap about it. Now it's being reported that the Bears and City may re-engage this week. There's talks about, I've seen renderings of what could be done to salvage, re-salvage, redesign the poorly redesigned Soldier Field. Bears should do that. Bears should do that. Good God. I tell you what, if the I swear to God, I had this hanging in my childhood bedroom. This is my plaque of the 1985 Chicago Bears. I swear to God, the day that they leave Soldier Field for anywhere, I'm going to take this to a bandsaw and I'm going to just cut it in half. Piss me off.
everyone's everyone's screwing up stadiums and we'll we'll get to John Fisher and his stadium shenanigans in, in just a little bit. So um yesterday in sports, obviously the biggest story was the fallout from the PGA Live Tour European Tour now combination tour that they've put together. And all I can tell you, again, the the truth always wins. And the truth is when it's not about the money, it's definitely about the money. And you can lean and cloak yourself on Americana and wrap yourself in the flag and 9-11 and everything that happened uh, with the Saudis sawing Washington Post journalists up to put them into suitcases to carry them from away from their site of their murder. And apparently there's a price tag that makes all that go away. Apparently there's a price tag that makes this all go away. You know, Phil, Phil Mickelson might be feeling vindicated today. Like, Hey, you know, we always telling you that our players were underpaid and poorly treated. And now he's feeling vindicated. Rory's got to feel like he's been betrayed. Uh, I don't know if this thing is over, by the way, this is not completely agreed to, but there's so much money on the table that we all know it's completely done. Here's the truth. The money that the Saudis threw at live and the golfers to come over makes them now some of these golfers go on networks and say dumb shit like, isn't it time we get over 9-11? That is essentially what Bryson DeChambeau did this morning on CNN. You know, he, he tried to wrap it in the uh, package of, well, you know, it was 20 years ago and we need to move on and we need to forgive and we need to forget and we need to move on and we need to be inclusive and we need to have a better understanding of each other. Like, all sounds really good, except for the fact the people that he's talking about, like, had the single most savage attack on American soil of all time. Like, some things to me are just sort of remember that. You know, hashtag never forget or hashtag forget when the money's right. I can't remember which one we're using. Oh, yeah, no, it's hashtag never forget. Um, ESPN Sarah Spain absolutely nailed it with her reaction. Because a lot of people, you know, they they talk about, what well, it's sports washing. It's sports washing. Well, this is literally, if you don't understand the goals of sports washing, Sarah Spain, Bryson spelled them out for you right there. The Saudis now want us to forget 9-11, Yemen, Khashoggi, forget who they are, and welcome them into international business spaces and conversations from which they have rightfully been denied. But now they're welcome in because they're standing on a huge pile of money. And the huge pile of money is going to make people who can be compromised, compromised quickly, and uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of gross. You know, people hailing it as a great day for golf. In the simplest of terms, you know, there's a lot of talk of merger and cooperation and handshakes across the aisle. Let me tell you what really happened. Again, the truth always wins. Here's the truth. The Saudis just bought the PGA Tour. It's theirs now. To think of it in any other way is to wrap yourself in PR bullshit. The Saudis bought the PGA Tour. There you go. That's what happened. Nothing short of that happened. The single best tweet from yesterday came from a guy who said, as part of the deal, the PGA Tour will control holes 1 through 8 and 12 through 18 because we all know the Saudis do 9 through 11. 
Oh, 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 that tweet is so good. I wish I had come up with, with myself. Yeah, the PGA Tour will control holes 1 through 8 and 12 through 18. The Saudis do 9 through 11. <laughs> that's, that's what happened yesterday. Money wins. Again, the morality that was sold was absolute wrapping paper bullshit the entire time. Another story coming with international flair and maybe a rejection of Saudi money for a brighter future in the United States. Prepare yourselves, kids. Damon's about to do a soccer segment. Not really, but the 35-year-old soccer superstar known as Messi looks to be very close to taking that David Beckham route. When you finish conquering the world, you come over here and you conquer MLS and whether or not you ever play a good soccer game in your life doesn't matter again because you are now the most, no one can take their eyes off you. You are the center of marketing and it's going to be good for Messi if he indeed chooses to come to enter Miami. When not enter Sandman. No, it's enter Miami. And apparently he's going to reject a more lucrative deal from a team in Saudi Arabia. Now, I don't know if he's found any, you know, uh, you know, reason to not do business with the Saudis or anything like that, because he's going to do plenty of business over in America. As a matter of fact, Axios's Jeff Tracy reports that arguably the greatest soccer player of all time is nearing a deal to come to the U.S. less than a year after final, finally winning his elusive World Cup. Messi spent the last two years with Paris Saint-Germain, winning two League One titles, and a potential return to Barcelona has been rumored alongside a lucrative offer to head to Saudi Arabia. Messi has reportedly chosen Miami, where he already owns a house, after no satisfactory offers were received to remain in Europe, that's according to the BBC, he will reported uh, he reportedly was tempted not only by Miami's lifestyle, but additional deals with brands like Adidas and Apple. Apparently, Apple holds exclusive MLS streaming rights, and the tech giant will share revenue generated by new subscribers to the MLS to MLS season pass with Messi directly. So he basically gets a cut of all new subscriptions to the MLS package on Apple. And there's a profit-sharing agreement with Adidas in place. So it's not like he's leaving an awful lot of money to come to America on the table. He's probably going to make even more. But look, when you are a, and, and I don't know, a, you know, 35-year-old Messi, what's he got left? I didn't watch any of the first 35 years, so I don't know what he's got left. I know he still scores goals, which probably mean a lot in soccer. So he'll be an attraction. He'll be the main attraction. And, uh, you know, it's like the Beatles. When you're done conquering Europe, there's only one thing left to do. You come and conquer the United States. So here comes Messi, by all reports. I told you we'd f eventually get around to what's going on with John Fisher and his stadium situation. Um, there is a special session today in Nevada um, on the A Stadium. 
Governor Joe Lombardo issued a proclamation calling for the legislature to return today for a special session. Look, the people have spoken. The politicians have spoken. The fans have basically spoken, too. And there is still somehow a desire to hammer through the least desired relocation in sports history. I mean, nobody wants this, mostly Vegas included. I mean, the polls are showing 70 support people going, nah, let's wait. But this might get hammered through anyway, even though it's been admitted this is the worst way to lose to, to use this land. Like the job creation that the governor is touting for reasons to get this done, those are temporary jobs. Those are construction jobs, so when construction's over, that job's over. These are stadium jobs, which means when you're out of season, you're going to have part-time workers because we don't need to sell hot dogs in empty stadiums. And if you're saying, well, Damon, they're going to be filling that stadium for concerts and all sorts of things. No, not really. Because there's a Legion Stadium, there is another arena already in the uh, where the Golden Knights play that concerts go to. So mega concerts go to a Legion Stadium. Smaller concerts than that go to what T-Mobile Arena. Concerts more intimate than that are going to be heading to the MGM Sphere. That's an eight ten thousand seat stadium that is supposed to like redefine blinking uh, and lights and an immersive experience gonna be like watching a concert in a planetarium basically so who's gonna you know who's gonna go to uh, you know whatever the a's are planning on building to do their concerts there the whole thing is a scam the whole thing is a scam between a governor who wants to say he did it wants to get in bed with baseball has probably had his wheels greased skids somehow some way with backdoor payments and a billionaire who needs public funding to get his deal done the whole thing is a fucking scam and it would be just like john fisher and here's what i don't understand this is where if i really could sit down and talk to john i'd grab him by his lapel and i would understand i would just say this you finally have a chance to be the only team remaining in a city Warriors are gone. The Raiders are gone. You're the last team standing. You build a nice little intimate, cool stadium, and you have a cash cow ready to go right here. Forget building a glass city around it, for goodness sakes. But no, John Fisher wants to take what was always like the fourth or fifth most popular team in the Bay Area and make himself the fourth or fifth most popular team in a city that just started getting professional sports. Think about it. The Golden Knights are clearly number one in Las Vegas. Number two are the Raiders. Number three, UNLV Hoops. Number four, the Las Vegas Aces, which just won a WNBA title. And what, after that, the A's will be the fifth most popular team on the strip? I mean, that is just so John Fisher. Fuck them all. Seriously. I I hope if the A's do end up relocating, they're in just an unmitigated disaster in their new digs too. Join me. Join many A's fans. Join our friends at Last Dive Bar on June 13th for Reverse Boycott Day in Oakland. Sounds fun to me, man. Sounds fun to me. It really does. Uh, last night, 
The Giants used 11, what, 11 walks, 14 hits to score 10 runs to win their series opener in Colorado. Lamont Wade Jr., Estrada, and Patrick Bailey all had three-hit games. Wade, he got on base six times from the leadoff spot. He had three hits with three walks. J.D. Davis had a three-RBI game. Uh, Jacques Peterson was back in the lineup, and what do you know? The Giants are back to 500 at 30 and 30, and they continue tonight. We get ourselves game three of the NBA Finals continuing tonight. Yeah, baby. I invite you to join me over on the AMP app. I'll be doing some pregame, playing some music, having some fun, hanging out uh, on the AMP app at 4 o'clock. Damon Brew show over there. Should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. A um, couple of other things to just sort of wrap up today's show. Again, I promised you we're never going to keep you around here and drag you through information you don't need and topics that are being stretched because we got too many hours to fill. We've streamlined this whole bad boy to give you all you need in sports pretty much in about 30, 40 minutes. Um, it is called Damon Bruce Plus, though. Plus, because it's not just sports, it's other things too. I guess this one story is a sports story, though. And all I can tell you is rest in peace, Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik passing away at the age of 81 years old, which in wrestling years means he lived till he was 120. I mean, wrestlers in particular seem to pass away at extremely alarming young ages. So for Iron Sheik to have made it to 81, that's good. Um, his family announced on his Twitter account, which was hysterical, hysterical, and kept a, kept a wrestler from my childhood relevant. Um, the family made the announcement today that he passed away. So goodbye, Camel Clutch. Goodbye to one of the single greatest, if not the greatest heel in the history of wrestling. I mean, Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov were the best bad guys that wrestling really ever offered. There were a lot of great heels, but I don't know if anybody carried the act as far and as long as he did. I get special shout-out to Roddy Roddy Piper, of course, but... Um, the R.I.P. Uh, uh, the the R.I.P. for the Iron Sheik. I love how we would put the in front of everything. The the he was great. So one final message that I know he wanted me to pass along to you is simply this: Fuck the Hulk Hogan. Oy, oy, oy! <laughs> uh, rest in peace, Iron Sheik. And I got to say, rest in peace to a show that I thought was really good, but apparently no one else did, or not enough people did. HBO has canceled Perry Mason. Perry Mason was a really good show. It had a slow burn to it. It was very unique. It was basically like the Perry Mason origin story, more than it was about courtroom drama after courtroom drama. Maybe that's why it didn't work or resonate. I thought that they tackled issues of like race relations in the most subtle, nuanced, interesting ways possible. There was a show within a show there. It worked, I thought, on a lot of levels, but it was not wham, bam, thank you, man, action upon action upon action. It was a lot of slow, subtle burn scenes, which, you know, apparently nuance doesn't do very well in entertainment. 
which makes me a little worried for the YouTube channel because nuance is kind of what we do over here and we do it better than just about anybody else. And I thank you for joining me for the nuance that I shine a light on when it comes to sports. Thank you for joining me here today on YouTube. I'm inviting everyone on YouTube to just stay right here and parked because we're about to get to Club Plus and get to all of your chats and reaction and hang out with you. But if you were listening just on the Damon Bruce podcast today, thank you so very much for tuning in. More coming up at live at 11 tomorrow. And again, if you're listening at the podcast, obviously live at 11 really isn't what you're doing, but I'm glad that you can take this show, put it in your pocket and use it whenever it's convenient for you. That is the whole point of the new media. When you need it, it's there for you. Thank you for being here for me. And please do remember that sports don't build character, PGA. They reveal it. And like that, He's gone.